Good morning. So here we are, fourth morning of instruction, working with the foundations of mindfulness, which is what this meditation practice is based on. Uh, Moving through the four, starting on the first and second day with the first foundation of mindfulness, which is the body and the breath. Learning how to sit and be aware and be present and engaging with the breath as an anchor, as a place to come back to, as home. And then moving to working with the body and becoming familiar with the patterns and experiences and uh, conditions of the body moving back and forth between the two when necessary, but developing some strength and solidity of mindfulness through the use of those two foundations. And then moving into the second foundation yesterday, which Nikki uh, taught us about, Vedana, or feeling tone, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, Any of these objects of awareness can be useful uh, in terms of supporting the stability and clarity of mind. And so today we're going to move into the third foundation of mindfulness, which is the foundation of consciousness, mind states, thoughts, and emotions. Perhaps a little more challenging, a little uh, less tangible, but nevertheless, uh, leaning into the fact that there's now some familiarity with working with the breath and the body, uh, we can move on to look at uh, at least one of these next foundations. So we're going to work with uh, the mindfulness of emotions today. And you know, for the people who haven't retreated much at all, or any at all, I know there's a lot that we're offering, and the invitation to you is to just try it on, pick it up and try it on, and not so much to worry about getting it, and are you doing it right, and just really be present in your experience of trying it on, There'll be lots of opportunity for integration and synthesis uh, once you're back home, if you choose to engage with this practice. And for you old heads, for you folks that have been here in this kind of environment numerous times, you all know what to do. And it's always wonderful to bring beginner's mind and clarify and tweak and be reminded. So no matter what station you're in as we sit this morning, um, really just uh, extend your energy and your effort towards presencing, towards being here, and towards engaging uh, with the various uh, practices that are being presented. And if it feels like there's a lot of talking and a lot of... uh, 
what some might say is intruding into your peaceful state, notice that. That means you need to be here. (laughs) Okay, so settle in, finding your sitting position. Attending to the breath and the body. Checking in, how is it there? Really experiencing the, uh, the conditions, how it feels to settle in. So we are, uh, one of the perspectives that you might think about emotions is that uh, they're energy, energy in motion in the body and in the mind. And that emotions are a composite of physical sensations in the body and accompanying feelings and thoughts in the mind. You know, we go through life having these emotions basically happening uh, all the time, whether we're aware of it or not. And certainly thoughts, which I'm sure we are aware of. But do we ever really stop and notice what's driving us, what our motivations are, what we're responding to? In this practice, we're working with emotions where we are aiming to balance the two extremes of suppressing emotions or being tossed around by them. An essential component of this practice is to turn towards the emotions and not to um, avoid them even when they're difficult and to make the connection of exploring how it's manifesting in the body. That's why the importance of having some experience with breath and body supports then moving towards working with emotions and thoughts. We use our mindfulness of the breath and body to experience the emotions on a somatic level. In the beginning it might be difficult and at times feel overwhelming. So start small if that's what's called for. In the process, you can use the anchor of your breath as a safe harbor. So as you start to really settle in and experience the emotional arisings that exist within the body, if it becomes too much, if it feels like you need to slow it down, if it's uh, too distressing, Just take yourself back to meditating on the breath. When emotion presents itself, as it will, you intentionally shift your awareness from the breath to the emotion. So you are, now we're giving a slightly different instruction where you are going to turn towards the emotion. 
Sense how the emotion manifests in your breath and in your body. What sensations are associated with it? If in the intensity of emotions arising, which is not necessarily how it will be, but if it is, you can then drop it and bring your attention back to the breath. And once you feel stable again and there's some ease again, you can return to utilizing the emotion as the object of awareness. In this process of shifting back and forth between the breath, the body, and our mental experience or our emotions, we're developing this skill of being present with whatever is arising at the moment. We're in the process of training our minds and bodies to be at ease with the present conditions so that we can open to the full range of our experiences. Just like when you're practicing with the breath, when you recognize that you've drifted away off the object of awareness, for now your emotions, gently and with kindness, bring yourself back to the awareness of the breath. In doing this over and over, we become able to recognize the patterns and then relaxing and releasing the tensions that come with those patterns. For some of us who have suffered uh, in our emotional lives, there, there may be a history of trauma or abuse or emotional numbness or frozenness. The practice of the mindfulness of emotions can be difficult at times, so just to know that. What's most important is to be kind to yourself and to take it easy. So don't force yourself into being with certain emotions. Don't judge your experience for being a certain way. One of the qualities that's really useful as we begin to foray into the examination and observation of emotion and thought is to develop the sensitivity to what this practice is about and to have appreciation towards yourself for having the courage to embark on this journey. So we're looking to strike a balance between avoiding or pushing away the difficult and painful on the one hand or succumbing to or drowning in the attachments of what is pleasant. This process requires patience and gentleness and kindness. So becoming aware of an emotion, intentionally now turn your awareness towards that emotion. Notice where and what is felt in your body, in the breath. 
for now, if there are thoughts that are associated with that emotion, just try to drop them, put them down, let them be, and keep your awareness with the sensory experience of the emotion. Perhaps you're able to uh, catch the subtlety of the rising of the emotion and then the fading of the emotion. Again, when the emotion fades, or if it becomes too overwhelming, just gently return your attention to the breath. Then when the mind is settled on the breath, again, and the emotion returns, or a new one arises, Move the attention to the emotion and its physical manifestations in your body. Rather than analyzing or figuring it out or thinking about mindfulness of emotion, perhaps a way to think about it that may bring some ease is to find the rhythm. (coughs) Find the rhythm of the breath, find the rhythm of the arising and the fading away. Find the rhythm of the emotion that comes. If you're able to hold some relaxation around it and not uh, clinging to the stimulation of mind, it might be useful or helpful to use some gentle mental noting. For example, emotion, fear, joy, sadness, just noting whatever that emotion is that you contact, comes into contact with the mind. 
And once noting it, letting it be. If you choose to engage with that tool, keep the labels simple. And try to avoid labels that are judgmental or blaming or overly analytic. Keep the story and the interpretation and the judgments about whatever emotions may be arising to a minimum. Directing yourself towards the experience of the pure emotion that might be arising in the body. Where and how are you experiencing the emotion in the body and the breath? When emotion arises in mindfulness, what do you notice there? If there are spaces where you're not feeling any emotion, just note that as well. And then you can return to the breathing sensations. When we stop and pay attention with this practice, there is often a component of reawakening to our emotional self. We come in contact with those places where we've been tamping it down avoiding, repressing or suppressing or covering up.
noticing, are you judging the emotions? Just, just observing that, just noticing that, not doing anything with it. Remembering along the way if you get lost or overwhelmed or just can't find that balanced place. You can always go back to the breath. With that strengthening of connection, it will always take you home. Remembering to have ease, no struggle.
perhaps becoming aware of the sounds and movement and other arisings that your mind turns to and then bringing it back to the breath. And then turning again to any arising emotion. Perhaps noticing emotion arising in response to hearing. sitting relaxed knowing you are sitting No clinging, no pushing away. Just being. 
breath. body, feeling, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. emotion, joy, sadness, peaceful, happy, just being, arising and falling away, No resistance. Just allowing.
in these last few minutes before we end. You may want to take a few minutes and bring yourself back to mindfulness of the breath. Feeling supported. And held. And then once establishing mindfulness of breath, just opening a bit back to the body as a whole. Lastly, as we move into the next segment of the morning, you may want to set an intention for yourself. For your practice. Breathing. Being relaxed, engaged, connected, whatever might be true for you to support your practice in this day. And just listening, I'm going to take the liberty of reading a poem. The Awakening. A time comes in your life when you finally get it. When, in the midst of all your fears and insanity, you stop dead in your tracks, and somewhere the voice inside your head cries out, Enough. Enough fighting and crying and blaming and struggling to hold on. Then, like a child quieting down after a tantrum, you blink back your tears and begin to look at the world through new eyes. This is your awakening. You realize it's time to stop hoping and waiting for something to change or for happiness safety and security to magically appear over the next horizon. You realize that in the real world there aren't always fairy tale endings and that at any guarantee of happily ever after must begin with you. And in the process a sense of serenity is born of acceptance. You awaken to the fact that you are not perfect 
and that not everyone will always love, appreciate, or approve of who or what you are. And that's okay. They are entitled to their own views and opinions. You learn the importance of loving and championing yourself, and in the process, a sense of newfound confidence is born of self-approval. You stop complaining and blaming other people for the things they did to you or didn't do for you, and you learn that the only thing you can really count on is the unexpected. You learn that people don't always say what they mean or mean what they say, and that not everyone will always be there for you, and everything isn't always about you. So you learn to stand on your own and to take care of yourself, and in the process, a sense of safety and security is born of self-reliance. You stop judging and pointing fingers, and you begin to accept people as they are and to overlook their shortcomings and human frailties. And in the process, a sense of peace and contentment is born of forgiveness. You learn to open up to new worlds and different points of view. You begin reassessing and redefining who you are and what you really stand for. You learn the difference between wanting and needing, and you begin to discard the doctrines and values you've outgrown or should never have brought in to begin with. You learn that there is power and glory in creating and contributing, and you stop maneuvering through life merely as a consumer looking for your next fix. You learn that principles such as honesty and integrity are not the outdated ideals of a bygone era, but the mortar that holds together the foundation upon which you must build a life. You learn that you don't know everything, it's not your job to save the world, and that you can't teach a pig to sing. You learn the only cross to bear is the one you chose to carry, and that martyrs get burned at the stake. Then you learn about love. You learn to look at relationships as they really are, and not as you would have them be. You learn that alone does not mean lonely. You stop trying to control people, situations, and outcomes. You learn to distinguish between guilt and responsibility and the importance of setting boundaries and learning to say no. You also stop working so hard at putting your feelings aside, smoothing things over, and ignoring your needs. You learn that your body really is your temple. You begin to care for it and treat it with respect. You begin to eat a balanced diet, drinking more water, and take more time to exercise. You learn that being tired fuels doubt, fear, and uncertainty, and so you take more time to rest. And just food and just as food fuels the body, laughter fuels our soul. So you take more time to laugh and to play. You learn that for the most part, you get in life what you deserve, and that much of life truly is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You learn that anything worth achieving is worth working for, 
and that wishing for something to happen is different than working towards making it happen. More importantly, you learn that in order to achieve success, you need direction, discipline, and perseverance. You learn that no one can do it all alone and that it's okay to risk asking for help. You learn the only thing you must truly fear is fear itself. You learn to step right into and through your fears because you know that whatever happens, you can handle it. And to give in to fear is to give away the right to live life on your own terms. You learn to fight for your life and not to squander it living under a cloud of impending doom. You learn that life isn't always fair, you don't always get what you think you deserve, and that sometimes bad things happen to unsuspecting good people. And you learn not to always take it personally. You learn that nobody's punishing you and everything isn't always somebody's fault. It's just life happening. You learn to admit when you are wrong and to build bridges instead of walls. You learn that negative feelings such as anger, envy, and resentment must be understood and redirected or they will suffocate the life out of you and poison the universe that surrounds you. You learn to be thankful and to take comfort in many of the simple things we take for granted, things that millions of people upon the earth can only dream about, a full refrigerator, clean running water, a soft warm bed, a long hot shower. Then you begin to take responsibility for yourself, by yourself, and you make yourself a promise to never betray yourself and to never ever settle for less than your heart's desire. You make it a point to keep smiling, to keep trusting, and to stay open to every wonderful possibility. You hang a wind chime outside your window so you can listen to the wind. Finally, with courage in your heart, you take a stand, you take a deep breath, and you begin to design the life you want to live as best you can. So because I took liberty, we have a shorter time for questions this morning. Um, so I'm going to just do one that was handed in to us, and then maybe we can take one or two from you all, from the Sangha. And you'll be having meetings again today and tomorrow. So if there's a question 
uh, that you handed in that doesn't get addressed, you'll have an opportunity to ask it again. Um, if it's still true for you, because these questions came in yesterday, and yesterday was a long time ago, so <laughs> I don't know if it's relevant, but um, let's see, the first one that we got yesterday is, when I am meditating, I begin to feel a dull ache in my forehead. It's like I'm thinking too hard. Initially, I thought this was a withdrawal headache from no caffeine, but it only happens when I sit. Any inspirations? Well, I mean, the only thing that comes to me in relationship to that, and again, this came in yesterday, and we've journeyed far from there, but it may be, you maybe might want to take a moment to notice if when you're sitting, you're contracting or constricting anywhere, because that, what you described, whoever that note was from, what you described, um, hit me or felt to me like there was some tension there. And that's what was causing the headache. So one of the first things to do when you sit down and engage with the breath in the seat is you might engage with doing an um, initial body scan, looking to connect into any places in the body that um, show up in your awareness as being tight or constricted. And if you find places like that breathing into them, um, in an effort to relax the body as much as possible before going on to engage with uh, the other components of meditating that we've been teaching you. Hmm. How do I not want things to be different? <laughs> <laughs> If I could bottle that, I'd be rich, <laughs> the answer. Usually I can wear my compassion like a cape and hold on to acceptance and the possibility that springs from there, like a lifeline. But today, I just want things to be different. I don't like wishing things were different. It aches here. So the thing to keep in mind is that it's all impermanent. And that's just how it is in the moment. And sometimes the moments stretch to a half hour. And sometimes the moments stretch to a day. But it's going to shift. And if you can hold on in that moment of uh, distress and stress and maybe overwhelmness and chaos to the understanding and knowledge that this too will pass. I mean, it sounds really simple, but it is really true. And I know sometimes it's interesting... Um, whoever wrote this used the word lifeline. So the lifeline to hold on to, even when the compassion can't come forward, um, even when you notice that there might be uh, sorrow and distress, to remember it will pass. It'll be done. And actually, the more you can relax around the circumstance or the condition the more you set it up so that the energy can just move through you and flow out. It's when we resist, when we contract, when we want it to be different, that it hooks in like Velcro. So really the way to be with distressing times and uncomfortable um, situations and circumstances is to relax and breathe and know that it's only temporary. It's not real, it's not fixed, it's not permanent.
we believe our thoughts and our interpretations not understanding and remembering that there are just conditions that are arising in the moment and just as they arise they will fall away so that's how I'd answer that one Uh, so I think maybe we have time for one question from the Sangha if there is one yeah So this is still my question from yesterday, so it still works. Um, I appreciate all the um, uh, invitations to uh, examine an emotion or a thought, um, which I love doing when I'm not sitting. When I'm sitting, I struggle with not going down a discursive rabbit hole of thinking. Can you talk a little bit about that balance between examining and not thinking too much? Mm-hmm. So the the thing to remember is that as we do our sitting and and you are invited and introduced to these various um, objects of investigation is that we're in a training. So if you um, have um, familiarity patterns of doing it in the world or doing it outside, that pattern is really very strong. That that groove, that mind groove, that, that nervous system groove is very solid. So when you then come to sit, you may find as you move into the training mode, so to speak, that in a way that has to be untrained. And the way that gets untrained is just to keep bringing yourself back to whatever the object, whether it be thought, emotion, breath, or body in the moment. And if it really um, feels untenable in terms of an ability to, to really work with it, then go back to the breath. It may just mean that there needs to be a stronger establishment of awareness in that moment. Does that make sense? Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so um, I have three announcements for you. Uh, so we understand that there's been a little challenge, a little uh, breakdown, a little whatever, in reference to the 1036 and having... Um, uh, a practice leader making sure that there's someone here to ring the bell at the end of the sit and so on the first day of the sit there wasn't anyone assigned so it wasn't or had signed up so that was a a breakdown in in communication um, organizationally and the second day the person that's the practice leader at 1030 was actually in a group and um, got here but got here late wasn't at the beginning so um, we've handled it there will be a practice Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.